0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Uh, This is episode 209. So if you're new here, we have tons of content from prior episodes that we, we go live basically almost every single day, at least this week we did, of people and experts on certain topics in the field that you can apply today. That being said, every episode here on Crossover Commerce, whether you're watching on video live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, or you're listening to us on your favorite podcast destinations, again, that's Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Uh, the list goes on on Apple Podcasts. We're going to be on your favorite destination. If you're listening or watching to either of those, both are presented by Ping Pong Payments. Who's Ping Pong Payments? They're a cross-border payment solution helping people save more time, money and effort when it comes to paying entities internationally pay out your suppliers and manufacturers or you're paying your vas if that's a business that you're growing into or you're looking to jumpstart your entrepreneur journey that way you don't want to have time to wait around for currency to get converted you can actually pay in localized currency by using a solution like ping pong go ahead and sign up for free today at usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast to catch all of our past episodes but signing up for free today and make sure when you talk to the team over at Ping Pong, make sure you mention Crossover Commerce. That being said, this is episode 209. This is Friday, January 21st. If I look at my watch correctly, uh, this is a show that we love touching and talking about everyone in the world. Like e-commerce is a globalized uh, journey and people get there in different various ways, right? So we uh, that's what this show is all about is making sure that we meet you at where your journey is and you can apply to your business today. So I'm very excited to bring on one, uh, a guest that I was introduced. Uh, he he has such a unique background. And before I even butcher it, I want to make sure that he gives himself a chance to to talk about the amazing journey that he's been on to his e-com journey. Joining us from Bucharest um, over uh, overseas, if you will, if you're listening to this, I'm located in the United States, but Bucharest, we're an international podcast. So I love talking and getting people's perspectives. Internationally, so without further ado, want to welcome on to the podcast Valentine of Omni Convert. Valentin, thank you so much for coming on Crossover Commerce. How are you doing today?
1: Hey there, all good uh, on this side of the world, and uh, thanks for having <laughs> me today.
0: I was gonna say, is uh, is, is the night in uh, of the 20th 21st, I should say, we haven't done anything in the future that we uh, or we regret it, have we? <laughs> 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 That's why I like to talk. When people are in tomorrow, I, that, yeah. I don't know about you because you have a podcast too, Valentine. without giving too much away, you have uh, I'm assuming you've talked to people in different time zones and whatnot. It's always fun to talk with people, and of course, not today, but in different time zones around the world. I always ask, what's tomorrow look like? Can you tell me what's going to happen? And obviously, joke, joke falls on some people, but um, I appreciate you joining us today.
1: Yeah, I'm also glad to be here, Ryan, and uh, thanks everyone for uh, watching.
0: Absolutely. So, again, I teased it in the beginning. Your background is super fascinating. I, I was laughing when I read through it, but in a good way because I think this is probably one of the best ways and most winding ways to get to a business in a long time that I've seen. So, for those, for people who haven't read it or haven't heard of you before, please go ahead and just let us know. Like, how, how did we get to where we are today?
1: Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a former uh, poor kid from uh, from Bucharest, Romania. Born in the communist uh, era, I, I had uh, a lot of jobs. Uh, when I was uh, fifteen, I was playing uh, soccer. The the thing that it, you you there in the US uh, oh yeah. so much or oh. neglect so much. It's okay. We call it yeah.
0: football. The, the right way is football, but we have too many footballs here. Don't worry. <laughs> I love yes. soccer.
1: So I was uh, I was playing uh, soccer all day long, and uh, my mother got me to a butcher butcher store and he, he left me there he said you, you need to learn what life is and I, I've been a butcher for butcher for two years to two, two hours sorry for only two hours and uh, uh, it was that smell over there the raw meat uh, all this environment I I was so frightened about my future by the way and I uh, I ran away when those guys uh, uh, went to, to smoke a cigarette, I ran out, and I continued to play soccer. But it was my first real job for for two hours. And then I had a lot of a lot of jobs, and I, I've learned the the hard way that uh, I I became an entrepreneur. I I thought that it's an accident, but uh, in retrospective, everything uh, is falling apart. I mean, it's it's falling into the 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 right piece. I mean, we have all these puzzle uh, pieces and. Uh, it's, uh, it's making sense, so mainly I, I had a lot of jobs like uh, selling car insurance, uh, selling cookbooks on the street, uh, doing uh, uh, interviews you know, for, for customer research, uh, learning about A-B testing actually, because I, I ended up building a company which uh, uh, has a technology to do A-B testing. And then I I've co-founded the largest, uh, what, what turned out to be the largest uh, uh, internet service provider in my neighborhood, Sold it when I was only 24. My first paycheck was uh, only $85 per month, and uh, when I uh, get my resignation note to my uh, to my employer, which was great, a, a fantastic entrepreneur, a, a lady that taught me a lot about uh, how to treat your employees, and uh, I gave her three months notice, and she she told me, "Can I do anything to keep you?" And, and I said, "No, I I, I want to build my own company." And uh, we my uh, I was already making something like uh, $3,000 uh, a month from my side gig while I was getting paid uh, at around 200 in the meantime. So build this uh, internet service provider and then learned a lot about it, failed completely and miserably and learned a lot. Uh, let's say in, uh, in the next years, I, I, I took all the money that I got from the first exit, I put it in an agency, got some fancy furniture and all that stuff. And failed miserably after three years. I needed to go back to my father because I, 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 I had either to, to choose either to keep the office, either to go back to my father and uh, uh, be there uh, and stay there for, for two, three months so that I can get back on track. So I, I, uh, I kept the, the office. I got to my father, and he loved me, but he made my life so miserable that I needed to go back. So I, uh, after that, I've co-founded with a, a customer the largest online car insurance player in Romania. We were uh, comparing prices from various insurance companies. We got to 250,000 customers, learned a lot about internet, and then founded this uh, uh, actually this company called Omni Convert. And uh, we are now supporting hundreds of companies of e-commerce companies to improve their conversion rate and their customer lifetime value by making use of their uh, their uh, let's say, uh, treasure, which is their database of customers.
0: That's amazing. What a journey. And I, I just think that's that's the ultimate. Keep iterating until you find something that is gonna work in. I, I appreciate that journey and hopefully everyone listening to we speaking of internationally, we actually had somebody coming in. If you're listening or watching live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, again, feel free to shout out, shout out where you're listening from. Uh, like our friend of the show near, uh, <laughs> covering the world or listening from Israel. So <laughs> cover truly covering the world here, live on crossover. Commerce. So, uh, Valentine, I'm, I'm super appreciative of that. So, so why e-commerce like what, what about it made it, that this that your company your solutions were going to change people's businesses. Why why was this the industry that you wanted to find yourself in? Because you, you've you've scattered around a couple different industries. Why why was this one you wanted to settle on?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I've seen it coming, and I I, I think this. Uh, imagine 2006. Nobody was using internet in Eastern Europe. I mean, very few few users over there. And uh, I've seen it coming. I looked over the data and I I, I, w- I was always geeking about uh, using the data because uh, y- your mind is always tricking you and you need numbers. And that's why I love numbers. And that's why many of our decisions are data-driven. And that's why I'm selling a solution to help people make uh, data-driven decisions. And I, I've seen the potential of e-commerce and I've sticked to it after... and. Uh, after the first uh, the first years, we were struggling. I mean, my friends, which were working in corporate business, in the first two years of our entrepreneur, my my, my new venture, was telling me, forget about entrepreneurship, get paid, you know, get a job. And uh, uh, I I've seen this thriving. You know, we we invested seven hundred dollars in the first, in this business in the, the online car insurance business. And uh, it, it got to forty million, and it was like, poof, what a fantastic uh, outcome! And uh, the the people were so happy that we existed. I mean, we got all these uh, emails from happy customers that instead of uh, going, the, instead of uh, being ripped off by a lot of insurance companies, they could just look over uh, on our website and to compare it, and they they made the fabulous uh, savings with uh, with with us, and then. After that, I learned the game, and I've seen the opportunity. And my hidden agenda, because when I was five years old, I dreamt of uh, writing books and being a teacher, but that wasn't paying too well in uh, in Romania. So I I got to 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 build this company as a vehicle so that I can build my own education system here in uh, in Romania. So mainly, I'm dreaming. uh, I'm I'm manifesting the dream that I had when I was uh, pretty pretty small. I was a kid.
0: So using the business to get to an ultimate goal of doing what your dream is always oh, your lifetime yeah. passion, if you will. You're, yeah, this is exactly. this is what this is. Uh, okay, so now that we have that journey, so I, I guess, I mean, first look at your website and the company. You're you're working with pretty large brands. What was that like from all those entrepreneur journeys of maybe like failed experiences all the way to working with some of the world's largest corporations and businesses? Huh? I'm just curious of. What that like whole spectrum feels like to you if you've seen, like you said, you've failed or and failed or like yeah. achieved and then came back down that roller coaster and now we're at somewhere where you you get the pleasure of helping some of the largest corporations in the world. What's that like?
1: That, that's fantastic because it's uh, it's uh, making wonders to your uh, to your self esteem. You know, it's uh, uh, and my self confidence was uh, w- was building when we closed. I mean, our our first customer here is Tummy Convert. We it was a three hundred dollars uh, deal, and I, I've been so happy. I was happier than my one million euro deal, if I compared the emotions behind it. Because when I got this one million, it was like. Yeah, we're gonna make it. I'm sure that we're gonna make it. And the the, the distance between zero to 300 is infinite. Yeah, right? it's infinite. So it's way more than uh, than it was. So it's uh, it's fantastic to have this trust. And uh, by uh, b- because we have this mission over here in Romania that we we have to export stuff. We need to build stuff. We we can't just consume stuff from the Western world. You know, we we need to export and to produce our own thing. We have a lot of fantastic developers here but it's not about only working for the bigger brands out there it's it's also about producing things and this is actually like a, a like a, a fuel for us when we see that we have these big companies uh, working with us like uh, Sephora or whatever, you know, when, when they work with us in many countries and using our technology, and then we do these workshops with, with uh, 40 people for, from their data teams uh, about how to use our technology to leverage their business, it's, uh, it, it's giving us a, a lot of uh, energy and it's uh, propelling us further.
0: I love that. Well, what? So, I guess with Omniconvert, we we touched on what what you guys do. I think I think there's a validity and such an importance upon going where data tells you to go, right? Of it, it can be a feel, and I think that's the downfall of a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, sadly, is they feel like this is going great. Product, no, it's a great idea. Uh, says. Uh, Entrepreneur X, they say, believe me, I think a lot of people are going to buy it. But if the market's not there and the data is saying there's not a lot of customers to potentially buy this product, that's going to be a failure from the beginning. So, with your mission and what like the tools that you've been build up, what what is it like to use data and how are you helping customers achieve those kind of more, uh, more fact based and data centric decisions instead of a gut feeling? Or maybe we should go after. This yeah. and, and instead of that, uh, the, that feeling, if you will.
1: Yeah, I, I think what is what is um, what is a paradox is that uh, is that saying that if you if you force data, it can confess pretty much anything, uh, and many companies uh, and many people working in in some companies, they they still hang on to their uh, to their beliefs about what should be done, uh, but they, if the data demonstrates it uh, the opposite, they they. They will be. It will be hard for them to to affirm. So uh, we are we are doing this R F M segmentation in e-commerce, and it's a fantastic endeavor. We I've applied it to our own to my own e-commerce company, and that's why I I'm so appreciative about it because it's not it's not like. Uh, something new it's it's going all back from the 70s right the rfm method was being used by the direct mailing companies to save money on sending envelopes sending the uh, mailings to, to to their customers so rfm stands for recency frequency and monetary value according to the rfm segmentation the first thing that we are doing with we we with new companies we Show them the difference between their best customers, which we call the soulmates, right? They have the highest recency, the highest frequency, the highest monetary value. They are the best. Not only that they spend a lot of money, but they continue to do it. I mean, despite all odds, despite all the obstacles, they continue to buy. And we we show them how much net present value is for an ICP versus their lowest uh, customers and how much, how, how profitable they are. And usually this figure is like one to 350 plus. So each soulmate is as valuable as 350 low value customers. And when they see that, it's like, let's acquire more of those. And the, the idea is that uh, based on that, uh, they they can look over and realize but wait, what kind of products are those customers buying? And then they, they start asking themselves other questions. And that's the beauty of data because it's showing you facts. It's not like it's not debatable that those customers bought, I don't know, uh, 60 times the white replace, the wine replacement product that you're selling, 60 times in a row. I mean, if each each week, why they are buying it, what kind of product they are buying. And thanks to that, it's, uh, it's, it's fulfilling to see how companies are, are Change, shifting their destiny is not like they are changing and transforming, but for for small and mid-sized companies, it, it's actually eye-opening and it's transformative when they realize that they've been advertising to the right customers, the right, the wrong products.
0: With that being said, is it is it shocking or is it is it sad to see that people don't look at the data that they have at their disposal, whether it be on their own their own websites or maybe their own data that they have access to them of what the customer is telling them. And they don't analyze that as frequently as the data should be analyzed. What, what What's kind of that notion and that shocking nature that you might be finding over and over again with customers and new clients.
1: It, it's actually, uh, fulfilling. And, uh, for, for us, it's exciting to, to show them so much potential and, uh... It's not only about the data and not only about the tools. It's about the team behind the, the, uh, the, this kind of data. Because many companies are, uh, are sleeping on a lot of insights and they don't do anything about them. And uh, the more action-oriented uh, companies that we've seen are actually the ones which are in the range of 5 to 50 million in uh, annual turnover. Because the other ones are struggling to survive and they want to fix their business model while the larger ones have some employees which are, are are being let's say directed to various other kpis so they don't care about things like nps or clv or cac these are because if the agenda from the upper management is not to focus on these kpis they will focus on their open rates or ctrs or whatever and i think that's that's important and uh, uh, Pretty much, I think the best companies to work for as a, as an e-commerce professionals are are the ones that are stable enough. They have product market fit, and now they need to to achieve traction and to achieve the right customers for for their products.
0: Is it is it something where you feel like it's more of your job to help people focus on the right data? Again, people can get lost in metrics, and to be honest, like in the marketing world that you and I but probably know, you can make data to tell your own story however you wish it to. Um, it could show growth. It can show, depending on, you know, your uh, the timeline or anything like that. Exactly. You you can you can snapshot it. You can basically edit down to how it looks beneficial to you as a segment, but not as a whole. What, yeah. what is what is that process like to make sure that people are focused on the right kind of data and set, like you said, the vanity metrics of the open rights, the, the clicks, the going back to what matters as a business and what should really be focused on in that regard.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's clear that we, we, we have to make the e-commerce more literate about what growth really means. We have, uh, we have a lot of so-called uh, gurus, e-commerce gurus, which are pointing them into their story. On the other hand, we have the whole narrative from Facebook and Google Ads, which is all about acquisition marketing because that's their agenda. They want to keep their own customers, come back and buy again. They're not telling them to their own customers to find alternative solutions and to focus on the post-purchase because they they are not invested in that part of the whole uh, funnel. So what I think it's uh, also our job, is to make them more aware about how an e-commerce really grows. And it's not only about acquiring customers. It's about acquiring the right customers and keeping them happy, which the happiness factor and the keeping them is, is not in the agenda of the acquisition marketers. And also, we are having, uh, on the other side, we have the agencies, right, which are smart uh, smart people, which are having their own agendas to, to make uh, their customers spend more because they're, they're they are being paid based on how much the customer is spending. So they optimize for, for their customers to spend more, not for their customers to earn more. So that's why we, we've built uh, the, this, uh, the, this thing, which is called the CVO Academy, around the, our own methodology. It's my, my own methodology, which has evolved throughout the time around customer value optimization. And I think if you start with, with providing value to your customers, you'll be able to extract value from your customers. I mean, if you if you're if you have happy customers that can that will end up speaking about you, recommending you, you've done your job. You just need to to level up, to scale up your your business. If you're not there, then that means you don't have product market fit, and no amount of marketing is going to fix a bad product. And uh, pretty much that that's what I think we we should be doing. And the model to grow in e-commerce. It's pretty pretty simple. I mean, it's it's basic. How much you're getting from a customer, CLV, customer lifetime value, how much you're spending to acquire that customer. CAC, customer acquisition cost. So the balance between those should be, of course, positive, and uh, uh, it should be more than three to one and even more than that. But if, if you don't measure that, then you're trapped into uh, the financial analysis which is not showing you this by the way in your pnl or you're trapped in your google analytics or worst in your facebook ad account where you're you're having this uh, twisted uh, attribution model showing you that your roas is uh, 8x yeah but if it's 8x and you you got uh, the the conversions from uh, email and from google ads as well and if it's 8x but you ha- your your margin is not justifying that then it doesn't matter if it's eight. Maybe it should be 12.
0: Right. Well, how, how does how does an entrepreneur, know it? how does an e-commerce entrepreneur do that in the likes of, in a world where Amazon no longer shares customer data, it's all owned. Yeah. The customer is actually owned by Amazon as a marketplace platform. You are just, you're selling products in that world. Again, doing more to build on the brand side of things. We've talked about this in the past episodes, where Amazon is slowly starting to push more of build out a brand. There's ways to be engaged with said brand on Amazon by following us um, on brand analytics and uh, with brand analytics and the follow button and uh, building out their uh, brand storefront. That's, that's completely separate, uh, you know, focus in terms of strategy, in terms of instead of directed consumership where you do truly own that customer, but it's all acquisition costs, like you said, on Facebook, Google, whatever mm-hmm. paid ads you might be driving traffic to. When I'm, when I'm an entrepreneur, utilizing both, how do I make sure that we're truly measuring both customer lifetime value? Like how, how are you helping people achieve that in that regard?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I'm, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, uh, using Amazon as the, the only the only channel to to distribute your products, sure, and to sell, because you you're missing out a lot of, on on a lot of things. Uh, first of all, customer data it's, it's the pure gold that you're after. So you you're after feedback, you're after guidance from your existing customers, because as an e-commerce player, you are <laughs> in the business of fulfilling needs and solving struggles for for your customers, and by only placing your, your products on someone else's market, which is not giving you access to even see the customer that is going to buy, that means you have a single customer, which is Amazon, and that's it, you don't have access to the this data. He, they have access to, to this data, and I think a synergic approach would be the first uh, step if you're selling only on, on, on Amazon. Uh, I think that's why Shopify is, uh, is achieving this uh, huge traction as well, because, uh, Companies are waking up to the fact that uh, they need to 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 play this game differently, and they need to own their their the relationship with their customers. Right? Uh, if we look besides the technological whatever approach, uh, the uh, opportunities it's it's all about Shopify versus Amazon, or not Shopify but your own channel. I mean, you can use right. other platforms as well. platform, but yeah, Shopify ZTEX, being a leader. Big commerce, there are plenty of them. Well, shout so, out
0: to those guys too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that, that's that's super fascinating because, I mean, fascinating from the likes of outside people because people in the, in the world of e-commerce, right? There's schools of thought of go where the customers are. It's okay, but at the end of the day, what's going to be repeatable about that business? And I yeah. think a lot of brands are starting to worry about what's the repeat nature of which your product can, can obviously happen on a, on a business level, but then on a brand level. How do you achieve that on Amazon? Is it continuation of hopefully hopefully Amazon will iterate those products and iterate potential for brand for say, hey, do you need to reorder or you know, subscribe and save or anything along those lines? But on the other side, when you can build a direct-to-consumer platform, again, you own those customers. You can tell them about new products. You can segment those data points even more proficiently and say, hey, you bought this would you be interested in buying a shirt with those pants or shoes with those pants or bundling a little bit easier and really yeah. making a more strategic approach is that where the true value is going to be cuz come from from out, either outside investors or as businesses continue to grow in the space because you can take that one customer and and kind of grow them yourself instead of relying on just one way funnel coming down to your product does that make sense
1: yeah yeah. Uh, another thing is to, to take into account a company is more like, uh, like a person as well. If you don't have the skills to to distribute your product, but your only skills are to produce your product, maybe you should look at other marketplaces as well than Amazon. So maybe you can find some other distribution uh, uh, channels if you don't have these digital e-commerce skills and you don't want to invest into acquiring them because, of course, Shopify comes with this burden that you need to to play your own game. If they are not going to build their huge marketplace called Shopify.com where you could uh, place your products on, then that's that's the offer. And uh, another thing is that we are looking at the brand's like Nike, right? Which is completely, they plugged off all their uh, their products from Amazon. So I think right. uh, the the future lies into owning the relationship. The one that it it's having the last, uh, the last, uh, let's say, uh, part of the value chain is going to win because he has the relationship with the customer and all these middlemen behind, they, they will lose. <laughs> and mainly if you can own your own value chain, you have you have uh, you have your moat and you, you can you can thrive in the future. That's a sustainable business. And uh, the current landscape is so competitive that you you simply uh, need to do something about the the, the future. You can't uh, be short sighted because we've seen in in one single year we've seen the ROAS going down from 10 to two x for for some of the brands that we're working with, which were investing hugely uh, huge in the their their acquisition effort. So the idea is how can I make sure that I know exactly where I'm going? And de- data reveals you that. And uh, pretty much that that's what I think w- the the brands, the, the companies which are uh, selling on various platforms uh, need to ask them themselves because an entrepreneur is a visionary, right? And depending on how long is your vision and how accurate is your vision, you're going to survive or not. I've, I failed multiple times, and I can definitely stay this because uh, it's, it's the vision, it's the story that is going to feed you and your your uh, your team as well. How compelling is your vision?
0: Right. When, when I'm when I'm starting this journey, or if an entrepreneur is listening to this and they're just beginning, and they really want to like get into the trenches of what what true value of every customer that they bring onto their platform is, I think that's the biggest selling point. How do they? Where where where's the first place they start? Is it is it with sales is it seasonality is it repeat purchase? Like wh- where where do where do people need to begin that journey if they're just for the first time taking a look at their they started this business in 2021. Now we're we're coming into our full life cycle, a yearly cycle if you will. Where do they need to start in that that kind of analysis if you will?
1: Yeah. What I would do with all my knowledge so far, I would look at the industry that I'm in. I would look at the, uh, ca- the products that I'm selling. And then I will make sure that if I have a sample size large enough of existing customers, I'm above or or, 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 or below the, the benchmarks in terms of the, uh, the things like uh, customer lifetime value and Purchase frequency. So if I'm selling, let's say, shoes, and I know that the average uh, uh, e-commerce site has a purchase frequency of 1.6. So that means every customer is uh, uh, buying uh, 1.6 times from from a store. And I'm at about 1.3. I want to fix that. I want to get that at least to be in the benchmark. Before pouring more money into acquiring new customers, because that means I'm I'm not doing my, my uh, I'm not hitting my targets, and I'm wasting a lot of money to acquire customers that will not come back. Uh, so that's the first thing that I would do. I would make sure that I'm doing my job throughout the entire customer lifespan. Then the next thing that I would do, I would get to know what are the products that I'm actually selling it's, it's this thing called, from from Peter Drucker that uh, uh, most most of the companies don't know why the the what why the customers buy their products and I think it's it's, <laughs> it's accurate I haven't knew what I'm selling as well I I was doing these jobs to be done interviews back in 2016 2017 and uh, we realized which are our customers and what they are actually buying and that made us build a complete di- completely different product and and that actually saved our business so instead of uh, growing uh, like this you know we grew like this i mean last last year we grew like 55% because we we constantly asked our customers what they are struggling with and if you know what they are struggling with then you know what, how to help them for instance we know that at this moment, we are helping the customers which are having issues with their acquisition to, to thrive, not only to survive, by using their existing, uh, existing customers and leveraging them to acquire customers that look like their best ones. And that, if you know that, you know what's your, your unique value proposition, you know how to get creative, and you, you fix everything if you know what you're selling. But if you don't know what you're selling, you're gonna shoot in the dark and you can you're gonna spray and pray.
0: What what it, um, if I'm doing this and I'm doing this analysis? you Use the term uh, prior, and I've and I know you've talked about this too on your website. But I just want to make sure people understand what the term zero party data is because that's something that distinguishes and it's completely. More like, what's the trust factor with that? Instead of relying on a third-party service to maybe help me with maybe who my customer is, instead of the actual true values that you're getting from maybe a customer, yeah. what's that distinguishing difference for people who might know that not know?
1: Yeah, it's uh, so third-party data, as you've said, Ryan. It's uh, it's about relying on Facebook, Google, whatever, tell me who the customers are and help me reach reach out to them. Then uh, zero-party data it's, uh, is the data that the customers are intentionally sharing with you. Like, what, what size do you wear at your shoes? If you know that you're wearing 12, then you can show to that customer's, customer only the 12-size uh, shoes. And it's going to be much more easier for them to buy from you. First-party data is something that you have, and you have based on their behavior, right? You do know that uh, we have customer X that bought this this type of, of product. So mixing zero with the first-party data is going to save you now that the third-party data is uh, being deprecated. And Google said that they are going to completely shut it off in 2023. They've Great. postponed it from 2021, 2022, and now 2023. But it's clear, clear that it's happening. After the iOS 15, The the... Uh, the third-party data were really affected about it. So mainly, that's how zero-party data works. And what you want to do as a, a, a as a as a tip for for your company is we're we're doing this for our customers. We have the technology for it, but you can use any kind of technology. The principle behind it is what matters. So with pre purchase surveys, you can collect this type of zero-party data. So let's say you spend some money on Facebook and you have customer visitors coming on your website. Instead of letting them look around on your 25 different CTAs, on your menu, on your drop menu, on your right. promotions, where you spray and pray, right? Hopefully they will buy these shoes. <laughs> Hopefully they are men and we have a promotion for men. Instead of that, you can do this type of pre-purchase survey, interactive pre-purchase survey, where you are collecting this data, like uh, what's your size, are you a man? Are you looking for boots or for shoes or for sneakers or whatever? And based on this zero party data, you can craft a different path for them. You can craft the customer journey, which is relevant for them because nobody wants to waste their time looking at the wrong thing. Because imagine the friction, you go in a store, you look at some cool shoes and they don't have it on your side. Instead of being satisfied about the purchase experience, you are frustrated. So the chances to navigate away are higher if you don't show them what what they are uh, looking for. So that's how you use the pre-purchase service to collect zero-party data. But it's not only that, then you can use this kind of data to collect their email address. So you can, let's say, bribe or persuade them into, hey, here's a $15 voucher for you. Of course, calculate it that you're you're going to be profitable because that's, that's how it works, yeah? Uh, At your first purchase, only at your first purchase, because you don't want (coughs) to incentivize the wrong behavior. And based on that, you will collect the email address. And then if they are buying, that's great. If they are not buying, you know that you have a man which is uh, out there in the market for shoes which are 12 size. And you can trigger an email uh, to to give them, hey, that's the new collection. Or these are the best sellers for uh, 12 uh, size shoes. And pretty much that's how you do it. Based on that, based on the jobs to be done, based on the needs of the customer, you can then orchestrate a, a customer journey. And this uh, this can build, be built like uh, evergreen campaigns. We are having this integration with Klaviyo and we send this data and we have companies which are doing a tremendous job on autopilot. So it's not only about hunting new customers, it's also Preventing churn, it's also nurturing your existing customers by collecting the right data and leveraging it. Because once you set it, you can forget about it. You can just tweak out the subject lines or do whatever. But this this can run on, on, on autopilot. So that's how you leverage zero and first party data based on uh, what you collect from them.
0: I love that. that that's, those are great tips. And I think the best example I've seen thus far, very creative again, this is the marketing side of me. When I saw the pop up and again, see if you can achieve like if you're uh, if you I think the wording was put in your email address or your zip code, I think it was zip code, put in your zip code to see if you qualify for uh, free shipping, which again, in the context, everyone potentially is probably qualifying for free shipping. But then as I started to break it down in our episode. With the marketer, we were starting to think of why why zip code. Well, zip code can tell a lot of different things. Where geographically that person's located, you can start to dictate. Hey, if you have a presence in retail stores, or if you have a presence just online, or if they're simply, you can go even further in terms of hunting down the data in terms of like what were they shopping for in that zip code. Maybe it's coats in the northern part of the country instead of a southern part of the country, or something along those lines. So again. Getting creative with capturing that data, like you had, had said, uh, Valentin. In terms of what what where people are achieving, but again, is there a line in which you said a mix? And I want to be clear, you don't want to be too detailed and too um, narrow inclusive. in terms of your yeah and in, inclusive or exclusive in terms of that messaging, correct? Yeah. Like what, what what's that fine balance that you're always probably teaching um,
1: clients? Yeah i i have this chapter in the in, in my part from the CVO academy as well i'm going to quickly uh, touch on it people are not buying products people are buying progress that they are doing with those type of objects and products that they are buying so at the end of the day nobody wants to do Uh, stockpiling of uh, shoes or sneakers. They want to wear them and they want to wear them for status or they want to wear them because they are running and they don't need the boots to to run outside. So every product has a job. And uh, if every product has a job, that means you need to understand that job. And if you are struggling to get a product because when we are having people on the website, there is a long journey. And the, the, this is apart from the jobs to be done method from Bob Mesta. He's one of the professors in the CVO Academy as well. Uh, a fantastic book. So I recommend his book, Demand Side Sales. It's eye-opening completely. So you when you have someone that has a struggling moment, right? So you have struggling moment. You have a moment when, I don't know, your battery, your phone... Let, let, let you, has let you down on, uh, on a particular moment, right? You are, you are driving and you, you haven't got your plug with you, whatever. So you, you, you had this struggling moment. It's not instantly when you go on a website to, to buy a new phone, but you have that struggling moment. So that's the first thought. And after the first thought, you have other signs, other moments when you are passive looking and you turn into active looking. When people are on your website, they they have already got through other faces to reach your website. So they were passively looking for products. Maybe they've seen your ad on on, on their Facebook stream or whatever. Maybe they, they, they've they seen an, uh, an outdoor from a competitor and they got there on your website to compare with, you, with, uh, with them. So mainly they are in the active looking state. But if you know that they are in the active looking state, it's not about collecting data that it's important to you but it's important to them and if it's like if you act like a doctor which is investigating you you know that you have a problem and how how bad it is from a scale from 1 to 10 how bad it is when you move your 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 arm like this maybe it's broken right so if you ask questions which are relevant to the struggle and to the pain point of the customer you can ask as many as you want but if you ask things which are not related to their struggling moment they will feel Invaded. They will feel that you're too intrusive and they are not going to, to answer to them and they will navigate away. So mainly that, that's how it works with how in-depth you could go with collecting this, uh, this data. And my suggestion is to first validate with a few customers, like do in-depth interviews with your best customers to understand why they are buying the products that you're selling. For instance, we are, we are helping a, a company which is selling uh, probiotics right? And we've made these in-depth interviews with them. <laughs> and we realized that their products, uh, it, it, it's, it, they have different jobs, but there is the same product, but they have different jobs. And people are buying it for different um, needs, right? One of them is when I, when I feel that I'm not in, in a shape that it's attractive to the others. And this was for, 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 for ladies. So those probiotics, we're competing with creams and hairstylists and whatever, you know. I mean, if you think it well, your product has other competition than the direct competitors, right? And when, when, a, when, when a woman is not feeling that it, she's attractive anymore, she's getting those probiotics or she can go to hair hairstylist or whatever. So that means the narrative of the brand should be in, in the correlation with the job to be done. So then instead of asking them, buy this because it's at a discount, reveal the problem first. So why are you here for? I'm here, I want to look better. I want to feel better in the evenings because the probiotics are helping them to actually have more energy because people are having these medical conditions, right? They are not getting probiotics just to prevent things. They have this type of medical conditions. And based on the struggling moments, you can make them aware that, because if you can articulate the problem the best, they will instantly. That's a psychological bias, a cognitive bias. They will instantly associate your product as being the best solution for them, and that's instantly. Nobody is aware that, and we are all making the same mistakes. We are all all buying stuff that we don't need because we think that that's going to solve our 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 problem, and that's how it uh, how it works.
0: Well, that, I mean that there's not much more to add to that in terms of just the sheer capacity in which that was broken down and i and i put a link to that for people who didn't see that on our live stream more of the coursework is the the cvo academy i think that was something that was super intuitive and you said it's already a chapter so i can't imagine what else is in there i guess valentine in the in the few minutes i have left with you what, what what's the most exciting thing in 2022 as we kind of like kick off this year and we start to move forward what's that vision for for Omnicfer and you and the company, like what's the focus? And as as all these things are changing, what's really those things that are going to get you excited and moving forward into the year?
1: Yeah, for me, it's exciting when I'm seeing new students in the CVO Academy. So we realized that we need to first educate and then sell a product that solves a a, a problem. And uh, we are doing this uh, (laughs) crazy endeavor around uh, how to play the e-commerce game. So this year, we're going to build a a crazy thing to reveal what problems the companies are having. Because I'm working together with Dennis Yu on this. He's my co-host on our podcast, the e-commerce growth stories. And together with him and our team of developers, of course, we are working on a new free product to collect the data from Facebook ads, Google ads, Google analytics, Clavio, uh, uh, and the, the, the Shopify store or your, your, your solution. And there are a lot of insights over there. So we then build a recommendation system which is going to help the e-commerce entrepreneurs to prioritize what matters based on their particular data. So it's going to be like a free x-ray with the diagnose and with the suggestions about what you should be doing first. Because at some moments, maybe it's the time to push the pedal on the traffic. Maybe on some moments, you have a, a very poor loading uh, speed, right? Maybe you should fix that first because we will know how you compare with other, uh, with other stores. So mainly that's the most exciting product, uh, project for, for this year that we're uh, working uh, on. And of course, we want to articulate the, the need for CVO. So mainly we want to craft this, uh, this new new methodology, new approach to grow e-commerce companies because that takes into account acquisition, conversion, and, uh, and retention. And mainly that, that's what excites me. And last but not the least, I'm writing my own book about the CVO uh, hopefully, it's going to get out on uh, October. We're gonna be able to to publish it.
0: Not surprised. More projects in the works from Valentine. In the little time I've gotten to know you, you got a lot in the works. But we linked out to the e e-com- uh, commerce e commerce growth stories uh, podcast and in, in web series too, as well for people who want to check it out. Um, or how do they get in touch with you, Valentine, um, with Omniconvert? What, what's the best way to do that?
1: I'm a LinkedIn person, so find me on LinkedIn is Valentin Radu, or you can subscribe to my personal uh, personal. It's our our newsletter. i'm I'm having this uh, uh, let's say marathon. I want to write at least one year every week uh, the the newsletter and I'm now at uh, the nineteenth newsletter. I'm sharing tips about how to grow an e-commerce based on my own experience as a as an entrepreneur and also as a, uh, an advisor to various e-commerce companies because I'm also doing this uh, sport uh, and pretty much that's how you can uh, find me and get in touch with me for anything if you think that I can help you don't be shy i've all, also picked up the brains of uh, of a lot of other uh, entrepreneurs and i think it's the time to share more more shortcuts so that we can uh, accelerate the the pace where how we are growing as individuals and as professionals as well
0: absolutely you got to if In the world of time, where that's the, infinite or not the infinite uh, resource, saving time, money, and effort, what we always talk about is making sure that you can find ways to do that to help your business grow. I would think that when you convert and you have those resources and those those ideas to help people do that. So thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce today. Uh, It was a pleasure. And uh, I call everyone who finished the show a friend of the show. So I have more international friends of the show. Happy to have you on again in the future to share more insights as you come across them.
1: Excellent. Thanks awesome. a lot, Rand, for having me. And thanks everyone for uh, for listening, tuning in the, uh, with us.
0: Thank you, Valentine. Again, everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 209 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet. We're bringing the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Again, thank you, Valentine, from OmniConvert and just sharing his insights again check out the links that we sent in our comment section they're going to be in the show notes if you're listening to this on the audio version um or you can just go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast to get all of the past episodes that roll out on the audio version all the links all the resources that we share going to be found there and of course for future episodes coming out want to follow us on our social channels that's on youtube give us a like on ping pong payments or on linkedin or you can just follow myself on linkedin just search ryan kramer I'm the guy with the the great face out there. Just not too many like me, but uh, go ahead and follow me for more content uh, and more episodes here in the future. Again, thank you, Valentine from OmniConvert. This is Crossover Commerce. You guys have a great weekend uh, going into it. Be safe out there, and we'll catch you guys next time on another episode. Take care.